All right, girls, we're back for chapter four of Murder on the Orient Express. You be careful not to listen to this before you listen to chapter three, because I'll be releasing both episodes today. So, chapter three is called Monsieur Poirot Refuses a Case. Was it Refuses or was it something else? Anyway, don't forget to listen to that one first. Don't be confused. Let's go on to chapter four. Chapter four, A Cry in the Night. The Simplon Orient Express arrived at Belgrade at a quarter to nine that evening. It was not due to depart again until 9.15. Girls, <clears throat> a quarter to nine. Okay, so it would spend half an hour in Belgrade, at the Belgrade station, train station. Because it arrived at quarter to nine, and it was not due to depart again until 9.15. So Poirot descended to the platform. Okay, so he had about a half an hour to stretch his legs. He did not, however, remain there long. The cold was bitter, and though the platform itself was protected, half his snow was falling outside. He returned to his compartment. The conductor, who was on the platform, stamping his feet and waving his arms to keep warm, spoke to him. Your valises have been moved, monsieur, to the compartment number one, the compartment of monsieur Bouc. Okay, so, oh, so Monsieur Book, he got, he had a first class compartment. And he has passed that on to Monsieur Poirot, his friend. Your valises have been moved, Monsieur, to the compartment number one, the compartment of Monsieur Book, first class compartment, I would say. But where is Monsieur Book then? He has moved into the coach from Athens, which has just been put on. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Because it's a train. Interesting. Because it's a train, it's not, it's not like an airplane. They can get new wagons. So in this case, it looks like they got a new wagon. And they put it on the train. You know? Isn't that interesting, right? I never thought about that. Because there were no planes back then. Or no, at least people didn't travel by plane like, like we do today. So, interesting, huh? I had never thought about this. How a train could stop at a station, add another wagon, and then keep going. That, that's kind of cool. Ah, okay, he was moved into the coach from Athens, which has just been put on. Poirot went in search of his friend. Monsieur Book waved his protestations aside. It is nothing, it is nothing. It is more convenient like this. You are going through to England, so it is better that you should stay in the through coach to Calais. Oh no, he, they didn't add the wagon. I guess he's going on another train. Me, I am very well here. It is most peaceful. This coach is empty, save for myself and one little Greek doctor. 
Oh, my friend, what a night. They say there has not been so much snow for years. Let us hope we shall not be held up. I am not too happy, too happy about it, I can tell you. At 9.15 punctually, the train pulled out of the station. And shortly afterwards, Poirot got up, said goodnight to his friend, and made his way along the corridor back into his own coach, which was in front next to the dining car. All right. So, Monsieur Poirot now has a first-class uh, wagon. Okay. Coach. On this... The second day of the journey, all right, so he fell asleep in his own first-class coach. Next day, a day has passed. On this, the second day of the journey, barriers were breaking down. Colonel Arbuthnot was standing at the door of his compartment, talking to McQueen. McQueen broke off something he was saying when he saw Poirot. He looked very surprised. Why, he cried. I thought you'd left us. You said you were getting off at Belgrade. You misunderstood me, said Mr. Po said Poirot, smiling. I remember now the train started from Istanbul just as we were talking about it. But man, your your baggage is gone. It has been moved into another compartment, that is all. Oh, I see. He resumed his conversation with Arbuthnot, and Poirot passed on down the corridor. Okay, so he was talking to McQueen, and McQueen was the man in his compartment. And he was curious about Poirot leaving or going or staying or not. So anyway... Going, why well, cry the photic letters? Oh, I see. He resumed his conversation with Arbuthnot, and Poirot passed on down the corridor. Two doors from his own compartment, the elderly American lady, Mrs. Hubbard. Okay, that's the elderly American lady. Oh, it's the one who kept talking about her daughter. My daughter said this, my daughter said that. Was standing talking to the sheep like lady who was a Swede. Okay, so the ship-faced lady, she is from Sweden. Mrs. Hubbard was pressing a magazine on the other. Okay. No, do take it, my dear, she said. I've got plenty other things to read. My, isn't the cold something frightful, she noted amicably to Poirot. You are most kind, said the, said the Swedish lady. Not at all. I hope you sleep well and that your head will be better in the morning. It is the cold only. I make now myself a cup of tea. Have you got some aspirin? Are you sure now? I've got plenty. Well, good night, my dear. She turned to Poirot conversationally as the other woman departed. So, now this is, is the, the lady, the elderly lady, what was she called? Mrs. Hubbard. This is Mrs. Hubbard talking to Monsieur Poirot. Poor creature, she's a Swede. As far as I can make out, she's a kind of missionary, a teaching one. A nice creature, but doesn't talk much English. She was most interested 
in what I told her about my daughter. <laughs> oh my god, this is funny. I think this this is. Uh, I think the joke is that this lady talks about her daughter all the time, and she thinks that people are interested. She thinks that people like it when she talks about her daughter, which they probably do not. That's it's like a rule of life. Most people are interested in themselves, and that extends to their family, right? So I could spend hours talking about you girls and about mommy, about Marilena, about myself, me, my family, you know, my life, my future. So a person could spend many, many hours talking about themselves, but that's the problem because you have two people having a conversation and each one would rather be talking about themselves, right? And they can't. So, yeah. So for this lady, talking about her daughter is like talking about herself. And the Swedish lady was probably very bored or even not understanding because she... She mean she says that she doesn't speak much English, but doesn't talk much English. But anyway, let's keep reading. Paho, by now, knew all about Mrs. Hubbard's daughter. Everyone on the train who could understand English did. How she and her husband were on the staff of a big American college in Smyrna, and how this was Mrs. Hubbard's first journey to the East, and what she thought of the Turks and their slipshod ways, and the condition of the roads. Let's see what slipshod means. Slipshod means typically of a person or method of work. It's characterized by a lack of care, thought, or organization. So slipshod means not very organized, kind of badly made, without much care. So she thinks the Turkish people are like that. So let's keep going. Or were like that back then. And what she thought of the Turks and their ship slipshod ways and the condition of the roads. The door next to them opened. So she, this lady talked so much about herself and her daughter and her opinions that everyone, and, and she talked loudly enough that everyone in the train knew about her. The door next to them opened and the thin, pale manservant stepped out. Manservant, I think, I think that's McQueen. Inside Poirot, caught or wasn't there another one i think there was another one inside poirot caught a glimpse of mr ratchet no that's mcqueen a glimpse of mr ratchet the the, the rich guy sitting up in a bed he saw poirot and his face changed darkening with anger then the door was shut mrs hubbard drew poirot a little aside you know, I'm dead scared of that man. Oh, not the valet, the other, his master. Master indeed. There's something wrong about that man. My daughter always says I'm very intuitive. When mama's got a hunch, she's dead right. That's what my daughter says. And I've got a hunch about that man. He's next door to me and I don't like it. I put my grips against the communication communicating door last night. I thought I heard him trying the handle. Do you know, I shouldn't be surprised if that man turns out to be a murderer, one of these train robbers you read about. I dare say I'm a foolish, 
I'm, but there, but but there it is. I'm di I'm downright scared of the man. My daughter said I'd have an easy journey, but somehow I don't feel happy about it. It may be foolish, but I feel anything might happen, anything at all. And how that nice young fellow can bear to be his secretary, I can't think. <sighs> Colonel Arbuthnot and McQueen were coming towards them down the corridor. Come into my carriage, McQueen was saying. It isn't made up for the night yet. Now, what I want to get right about your policy in India is this. The man passed and went on down the corridor to McQueen's carriage. Mrs. Hubbard said good night to Poirot. I guess I'll go right to bed and read, she said. Good night. Good night, madame. Poirot passed into his own compartment, which was the next one beyond Ratchet's. Okay. He undressed and got into bed, read for about half an hour, and then turned out the light. He awoke some hours later and awoke with a start. He knew what it was that had wakened him. A loud groan, almost a cry, somewhere close at hand. At the same moment, the ting of a bell sounded sharply. Poirot sat up and switched on the light. He noticed that the train was at a standstill. Oh my gosh, oh no, the train has stopped. Presumably at a station. That cry had startled him. He remembered that it was Ratchet who had the next compartment, the rich guy. He got out of bed and opened the door just as the wagon-lit conductor came hurrying along the corridor and knocked on Ratchet's door. Okay, so the wagon-lit conductor came hurrying along the corridor and knocked on Ratchet's door. <sighs> okay. Poirot kept his door open a crack and watched. The conductor tapped a second time. A bell rang and a light showed over another door farther down. The conductor glanced over his shoulder. At the same moment, a voice from within the next door compartment called out. Ce n'est rien, je me suis trompé. Bien, monsieur. The conductor scurried off again to knock at the door where the light was showing. Poirot returned to bed, his mind relieved and switched off the light. He glanced at his watch. It was just 23 minutes to, come, to one. All right, girls, I think this is going to be super important. I think this is important. So the train stopped. And let's see, what did you hear? Let's go back, this is important, important. Poirot sat up and switched on the light. He noticed that the train was at a standstill. No, before that. He awoke some hours later and awoke with a start. He knew what it was that had awakened him. A loud groan, almost a cry, somewhere close at hand. At the same moment, the ting of a bell sounded sharply. So something like this, like, ah, oh, ah, oh, like a groan, and ah, oh, something like that, and a bell, bling, and that's, that's, that's what woke Poirot up. He heard the, ah, oh, and the bell, ding, and he woke up.
Okay. Poirot sat up and switched on the light. The train was completely stopped. Okay. Okay. And then he listened. So he heard the wagon lit conductor. That's like a like the air stewardess who takes care of us, who helps us in the, in the airplane. And when we, we travel on, on, in an airplane, well, I guess that's what the wagon lit conductor does. So he comes up to see if everything's fine with Mr. Ratchet, the, the rich guy. And Poirot hears, Ce n'est rien, je me suis trompé. That means it's nothing. I just hurt myself, like I fell. I just fell. Bien, monsieur. Well, good, mister. The conductor scurried off again to knock at the door where the light was showing. Poirot returned to bed, his mind relieved, and switched off the light. Okay. He glanced at his watch. It was just 23 minutes to one, so it was midnight 37. That's the time. Midnight 37. The groan, Poirot wakes up, there's a bell, and he looks at his watch, midnight 37. That's all we have for now. I think the mystery has started, girls. And this was chapter four. Looks like it's a, it's a short chapter. Maybe the next one will be longer. All right. I love you, girls. I love you very much.